better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday episode of the show. Kyle, what's up, man? Good to be back. Glad to see you guys didn't misplace anything or burn the place to the ground while I was gone for a few days. So excited to be back in the saddle. I missed you guys dearly. And uh, I did. Chris, Chris sitting here shaking his head like like I'm BSing you guys. You can't BS a BSer, okay? Mm. Missed the show. Good to be back. You can't BS a BSer. It's a movie quote. From what movie? It's the... Um, <laughs> you never thought I was going to have this. Is, it's from Role Models. I like Role Models. I absolutely do not remember that moment, though. It's uh, when when they're in there... And they're getting yelled at because they did something bad with the kids. And uh, what's the the actress's name? Jane. Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. She ta- she's talking about like <laughs> how she's like draw the shades and take the phone off the hook. And she goes on some big monologue. But it was a part of that scene, I believe. It's Jane Kyle's Lynch recall it. just extends to everything. Wow. BS, so, BS. so Shuby, we're, we're starting a new little something, something here today on the podcast. This is your brainchild. So why don't you introduce uh-huh. it and we'll, we'll have the conversation. I, I will give credit where credit is due um, because when I upload the draft dudes podcasts on a daily basis, I'm also able to see what uh, shows get posted to the locked on dolphins feed. I don't know if you know this, Joe, but our, our good friend, Kyle Krabs, the host of the locked on dolphins uh, podcast. And in the top corner of where I post the show, it said, you know, state of the, and and I just saw that when he was talking about the Dolphins, and it just, it it inspired something in, in my brain, and I thought we would do a state of the, and then insert division name here. So this episode is the state of the AFC West, and that's the division we're going to start with. And what we're going to do is you guys are going to go division by division, team by team, and basically give a a sort of comprehensive overview of where this team is in terms of in terms of draft, what positions that they have gotten in their recent draft halls, two to three years, where they're at in their win cycle, and what things they need to focus on. Consider this, if you are a fan of any of the 32 teams in the National Football League, as your primer for what you should be paying attention to for the college football season this year. That's what this is going to serve as. So we're going to go through all the teams. You guys are going to give your analysis. And at the end, um, when we talk about all of these teams, maybe a player or two that you maybe thought of uh, from this year's college group that maybe people should should keep an eye on. Not saying that that team should go get them, but a player that, that people should should keep an eye on. So we're going to go division by division. Today it is the AFC West. Denver Broncos up first. Let's do it. So Kyle, when I look at their recent draft halls, and I know that Chris said the last two to three years, but for Denver, I want to go back a little bit further. Because something that really stands out to me about what they've been able to accomplish in every single draft since 2016 is they've landed a franchise cornerstone. 2016 in the third round, Justin Simmons. 2017, Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles. 2018, Cortland Sutton Sutton. and Bradley Chubb. 2019, Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner. 2020, Jerry Judy. And potentially in 2021, you look at Patrick Sertain and Javante Williams. So while they obviously haven't hit on every single draft pick and no team does, it's really impressive to look over that amount of time and being able to pull out at least one player that you say, wow, that's an absolute building block, you know, 
centerpiece of what we're trying to accomplish here in Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of like the the law of averages, right? Or the the formula is if you're landing two or three to quality starters every year in the draft, and you retain your talent, which you know of the names that you mentioned, they extended uh, Garrett Bowles, they've extended Justin Simmons. They have some big decisions coming up from a contractual perspective as well uh, for this this upcoming class with Chubb and Sutton. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've done a really nice job, and I think that's a great point is the nucleus of the team is really strong, and it's coaching and quarterback are the two big question marks, and what a terrible one-two punch to have as question marks because a lot of this roster is in great shape. Dude, and so – when I was getting ready for this podcast and I, you know, I knew we were going to talk about the life cycle status for each team and I'm trying to determine where Denver is at. This was very difficult for me to put a label on them because like you said, I mean, really the rest of this roster is outstanding. Yeah. Maybe you wish the right tackle was better, but it's a really, really, really friggin' good roster, Mm -hmm. but I have major questions at quarterback and coach. And I like Vic Fangio, but the team regressed in the second season under him. So would you classify them as a young contender? Yes, that's exactly what I put them as right. a young contender. But right. Because I do think they're a quarterback away. And right. Vic Fangio probably becomes a lot better coach. <laughs> He's got right. a legit franchise quarterback. I, can't, I could not possibly justify a roster with this much talent as a rebuilding team. Right. And they're not in win-now mode, right? Because they, they don't have a quarterback, so they, they can't be swinging aggressively for the fences. Now, if you make the decision to transition your entire ideology as a, as a franchise and you trade for Aaron Rodgers next offseason, if the opportunity presents itself, now you're in a win-now window. Yep. And you've got an older quarterback who's a stud and you've got an older head coach. So, like, it can flip that quickly. But right now with what this team is, I thought young contender was the proper classification if we're going to look at this team's life cycle. As for the future needs of the Denver Broncos, this is what I have down. You could tell me if you disagree or, or have more to add. How many do you have? Because I'll I'll count them off. What which ones we have that overlap? I've, I've got five. Okay, I've got five. Yep. It's quarterback number one. Okay, obviously, you have an expiring contract in Cortland Sutton, and I think you need to have another option in the passing game at receiver. So I put down, not necessarily that that's a you have to replace Cortland Sutton because you could just keep him and he could be your answer, but I right. think it's something they have to deal with. It's number three for me. Right tackle. That's number two for me. I put down Alexander Johnson as an expiring contract, so some type of solution at off-ball linebacker, and yeah. maybe that is Johnson. And that that was five for me, um, and I understand that Josie Jewell has played good in stretches as well, but I just think there's more opportunities to add more dynamic and robust yeah. players. Yeah to the second level of the defense in general. The other one I had down is safety opposite of Justin Simmons, where Kareem Jackson's an expiring contract. I know they just drafted Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson in the fifth round. They're fifth round picks, right? Like I'm not going to sit here and say for sure that one of them is going to be the answer opposite of Simmons. Maybe they will, but I'm not, you know, that's, that's unrealistic. I would love to see Johnson make the leap because I liked him a lot. Oh yeah. So did I. Um, the law of averages does not smile kindly upon that <laughs> happening, right? It just it you find quality players there in stretches, and I, I you just don't want to assume. 
And a good prospect should not prevent you from getting a final answer at a spot at the end that, of the day. In my first mock draft, I, I gave them Jordan Battle, safety from Alabama, because I think stylistically he compliments Justin Simmons and like he's a really good downhill mm-hmm. trigger tackler. Mm-hmm. And that's what Kareem Jackson is at this point in his career, like an outstanding downhill tackler. And and I thought that was a good way to replicate what you had with a younger and potentially more dynamic long-term answer. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we ready for the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, Chiefs. <laughs> so, now, are you going to stay true to the, the exercise here, or are you going to go back to 2016 like you did last year? Because I'm prepared uh, to talk about the last couple of years, but I didn't push back <laughs> to, like, the Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, and Chris Jones drafts. Okay, well, I'll... You dog, you did it. You totally I, did it. I, I didn't... I don't think I necessarily did. Hear me out, because... I, when, Joe, when I, looked, the whole, I said two to three years. I literally, <laughs> in the, when we talked about this and planned it. it out, I said two to three you years. You can't box like, it out. It is that. I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. Is that, is, did I do the quote right there? Yeah. That's was fine. that bad? Yeah, that's good. That's no, that's good. fine. Very good. It worked. Other guys. All right. We're there. Yeah. Um, so this is, when I looked back through the last several Chiefs drafts, the point that I continue to bring up with the chiefs and their drafting is they have done a wonderful job of finding contributors and impact players, but not necessarily with premium investments. I mean, I, Tyree kill fifth round pick Demarcus Robinson, Chris Jones, Derek, Nottie's a three Rashad Fenton, a six Nick Allegretti's been important for them. He's started games, meaningful games. Michael Dana, Legereus need is a fourth rounder. So they've, you know, even Patrick Mahomes was not the first quarterback off the board. I, I really feel like Kansas City has done a really, really good job of finding contributors throughout their draft halls. And look at this year. I mean, all the reports right now about Trey Smith are really, really good, and they got him in the sixth round. So I don't always I don't always love what they do first, right? Like I don't love Breland Speaks. I don't necessarily love McCole Hardman as your first pick. I didn't like Clyde Edwards Hilaire as a running back. Nick Bolton, eh but they really do a good job of finding answers throughout their draft holes. Yeah. I think this is an an illustration of once you have a quarterback that you have faith in and you want to stake your flag in the ground with and, and go all in and, and he ends up being everything that you thought he has the potential to be um, your roster construction frees up quite a bit to get creative. Like you think about the Orlando Brown jr. Trade and kind of that use of, of draft assets. And when you've made one first round pick in the last four NFL drafts, and it is Clyde Edwards Hilaire, probably a better use of your investment and your, your top draft pick when you're picking at the tail end of the first round every year to go get a player that you know what you're going to get. Yeah. So 
you know, it, it's hard to find like the 2018 draft. Like where's the excitement in this group aside of Derek Naughty, right? It's right. speaks Naughty, O'Daniel. Those were top 100 picks. Then Armani Watts, Traymond Smith and Khalil McKenzie. Okay. So that it's like a wash. Now, when you get Mahomes and Kareem Hunt with two of your first three picks in 2017, certainly helps to balance that out, even though Hunt for off-the-field transgressions has since moved on. Uh, I'm really impressed with what they've done with the mid-round guys and even what they've been able to find in UDFAs. So I think the roster is in a much cleaner space than if you just looked at the last three drafts and you're like, "Mm, yeah, where's where's the substance? Where's the boom here? They don't need it, uh, and they, they've they made their investments in other ways, and they have this roster, I think, in a much more well-balanced place than what it was last year. I would 100% agree with that, especially with how it appears the offensive line has come together. And mm-hmm. Look, I mean, they, they're they paying Patrick Mahomes a lot of money, but that doesn't mean that they're not paying other players. I mean, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, Frank Clark, Honey Tyre, Badger, those Tyre, all yeah, getting paid a lot of money, Matthews, man. not cheap either. Yeah, no, this so. is not necessarily a long term contract. No, now Frank Clark has the potential to to disrupt <laughs> the quality of of the front seven, and, and I know Chris Jones is taking some rushes from more wider alignments, and there's some kind of buzz about that. But like the Frank Clark thing's a thing to watch because if the bottom drops out yeah. on the pass rush, and Clark's not available for his issues this offseason you know where to look as far as exhibit a as, as to what happened with that group. I think it's pretty obvious. This is a long-term contender. I mean, yes, they, yes. <laughs> they have Mahomes signed forever, and really good GM and Brett Veach, unbelievable coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not even a case to be made that this isn't a long-term contender. So if you were to identify needs on this team. Yeah. Would you agree with me okay. that edge rushers is a top two need on the roster? Yes. Would you agree with me that wide receiver is a top two need on the roster? Yep, I actually had that written down first. Perfect. Okay, so th- that was my – I think there was a clear and obvious soft spot on each side of the ball that if you're going to look to improve the Chiefs, you got Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Antonio Callaway, Cornell Powell. Like, those are the guys we're working with. You can definitely get a lot better there. And I think for the sake of, like, I'm all for Patrick Mahomes making guys better, but he doesn't, shouldn't have to make that many guys that much better. <laughs> right. If you have the kind of assets that the Chiefs still have to work with. Well, and I think when you're talking long term as well, uh, you mentioned the receivers. I mean, Hill and Hardman. And Powell, those are the only three that are signed beyond this season with Hill and Hardman up after 2022. You go to this offensive line, they don't have a lot of guys signed beyond this year either. Joe Tooney, uh, Creed Humphrey, who they just drafted, Lucas Nang, Nick Allegretti, Yasser Durant, and Trey Smith. That's all in terms of offensive linemen signed beyond this year. And then on, on the interior defensive line, Derek Noddy and Jerron Reed, that's a couple of studs, but they're both up after this season. And we already talked about Honey Badger as a uh, pending free agent as well. So yep. there, there's some there's some contracts they got to deal with in some areas of this team they're going to have to replenish. Wide receiver in trenches. 
You want to talk yeah. about the Chiefs and where they get better? Just invest in those spots in your mock drafts. And you'll be good. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, so the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, do you, <laughs> I'm afraid to talk about their draft because you guys are going to get mad at me. You went five years again, didn't you? I didn't go five years, but when I find a central theme throughout recent drafts for the Chargers, I see a lot of guys that have been injured, whether that's uh, Derwin James, Mike Williams, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, Kaiser Hatterley, Nasir Hatterley, Jerry Tillery has not been an answer for them at defensive tackle, their first-round pick in 2019. Drew Tranquil. Yeah, injuries, man. So that's kind of – I love the – like this year going Slater and Samuel with those first two picks, I absolutely love that. But they, they've they had availability issues with a lot of their premium draft picks over the last several years. Obviously, Justin Herbert is going to change the direction of this franchise. He's already proven that he's capable of doing that. So that's monumental, picking him six overall, third quarterback off the ball board in 2020. You know, that's that's what they're hanging their hat on. But they need to find some consistency with the players they draft so they can build around him, you know, in, in a way that's going to maximize his ability to lead this team. I think that one of the things that stood out the most to me was, like, their conversion rate in the mid-rounds has not been great. If you want to go back to 2017, right, and their day two picks were Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. And the year before that, it was Uchenna Nwosu and Justin Jones. And the year before that was Nasir Adderley and Trey Pipkins. And the year before the year, or the year after that, they didn't have a day two pick. They traded up for Kenneth Murray. So I think that's the thing where we talk sometimes on the show about the middle rounds being the money rounds, uh, where if you can outpace the opposition with hits on day two, you set yourself up for success relative to your peers across the league. And I do not think the Chargers have had a lot of success in recent years finding quality starters on day two. And that's something that has to change moving forward because if you've got a quarterback that's going to elevate your win total, you're not going to get that guy in the teens every year mm-hmm. that can just be like a plug and play. Okay, we got a quality starter in the first round, period. Now let's go from there. So I think it's pretty clear they've they've got to find more consistent results with the players they draft, and, and part of that is them being available. So what did you uh, what you put down here for the life cycle status of the Chargers? Young contenders. This was another difficult one for me, and I can certainly understand why you put them there because at the end of the day, they do have a lot of talent. And they have a really exciting new coach in Brandon Staley. I put them as a team in transition. Um, okay. And yeah, that's that's fair with the coaching change and yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, new the offensive change, line pieces. New, yeah, four out of five new starters there. You know, moving on from some veterans on the defensive side of the football. You know, it, it, to me, there's just a lot of new pieces to this operation. And in year one of Brandon Staley, I felt team in transition was a reasonable label to put on. Okay, that. I think if Justin Herbert plays equal. Uh, to what he did last year, and they have some better fortunes with injuries. Uh, I think this is a team that could have a winning record and potentially push for a playoff spot. So that was kind of the justification in my head for that pathway to, like, you're contending for a playoff spot, you get lucky, and you 
I, I certainly don't think they're in any position to pass the Chiefs. Uh, right. But if you're in a wild card spot and you draw the right team and you, you go to Indianapolis to play a road game or you go to Tennessee to play a road game, could see you potentially winning a playoff game, but not necessarily a deep playoff run. That's kind of your best case scenario for the Chargers. And if you're if you're the chart, and this just hit me as we're talking through them, you got to find a way to get home playoff games because you go to Baltimore, to Cleveland, yeah, to it's going to kill you. It's going to kill Pitts, you. I mean, it's the same thing Kansas with the city. I'm not not going to make this show about the Dolphins, but it's like that was the big dilemma last year. As I'm sitting there watching the playoff race, I'm like, I hope we play the the, the South winner because if we got to go, we got to go play Baltimore, we got to go play Cleveland, we got to go play uh, the Bills. Like hell no. Like you as a warm weather team, you got to take care of business early, and yeah. you can't afford to start slow because if you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole. And then you got to go on into a cold weather environment and try to win a playoff game. That's tough, man. Now I, I've never really thought of it from that angle because my rooting interest is the Bills. I'm always thinking about that. Oh, must be nice. Well, well, you know it has its advantages and disadvantages, but that's yeah, LA, and that's going to be tough because Pat Mahomes in that AFC West is going to be in the right. way of them hosting right. playoff games. I mean, it, it's a right. difficult proposition for them. So they they got to hit on their draft picks, man. And, Get this thing right, or else it's going to be a long, long run for for Mahomes out there. Um, so future needs, Kyle. I I have five. Mm, okay. I and here's what I, you ranked your needs. I feel like, and I really didn't. So yeah, I just I tried to you know how we we kind of go through and prioritize like yeah. primary needs, secondary needs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. I just I put them into buckets more so, but I did I did write them down in order that they came to me when I looked at their respective rosters. Yeah, Kyle followed the rules of the show concept, unlike some other people on the show. You know, I don't, I don't know who you could be talking about, but Chris, I'm, I'm just trying to get in your good graces after I miss three days. So, <laughs> all right. So for for needs, I have wide receiver written down. Mike Williams, a free agent after this season, and um, you know they got some young players in KJ Hill and Joe Reed and, and Josh Palmer. But who knows, right? Like, I don't know if any one of them is going to turn into a meaningful NFL wide receiver. Right. And you need another guy or two to go with Keenan Allen. Or three. Or three. Right. Uh, I have interior defensive line down yep. is, is at the top of my personal list. Uh, when you, you look at what they got, you've already mentioned Jerry Tillery and uh, how that has slash has not materialized. Uh, some of the other prominent names, Linval Joseph, a veteran, uh, Justin Jones, third round pick from 2018. Uh, and the depth behind that is just not there. I know you and I both like Cortez Broughton out of Cincinnati. Uh, he was a seventh round pick in 2019, but we ain't like him like this, where he's <laughs> he, he's gonna have he like he's up there on the depth chart right now and poised to play meaningful snaps. And Joseph and Joe uh Justin Jones are both uh, expiring contracts this year. Yep, so yep. And the secondary, right? Like corner and safety, I still think we got room to grow there. Yeah, especially with Derwin James's health issues. It's hard to to rely on him until he shows you otherwise that that he can. Uh, in the secondary, I like that they brought Michael Davis back. Yep. Uh, the drafting of Asante Samuel in the second round, it was great value for them. I believe he was just inside the top 50, 47, 48, something like that. 47, yep. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., obviously more of a slot guy at this point. He's a little long in the tooth, still can play. Absolutely, there's no question. But 
that's not a player that appears to be a long-term fixture for you. So like you can go inside or outside corner and you can go with uh, somebody in the safety to serve as uh, your safety three. If we're not going to give Alohi Gilman credit for his lack of range and athleticism, I think he's going to be like a, a roster staple as like your 43rd guy on a 53 man roster and play a bunch of special teams and kill it in that regard. But like, if you want to go three safety sets, he's probably not your ideal role if you have a healthy Derwin James as somebody to compliment. So, yes, I think both all three spots in the secondary, inside corner, outside corner, and safety are, are significant needs for them as well. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. Save time and save money when using rockauto.com. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. You have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Tired of getting killed by daily fantasy sports experts? Don't play experts. Play the house with Stat Hero. Introducing Stat Hero, it's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's Amen. how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner takes all. You have the advantage because Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time, and nobody does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. See the competition ahead of time, pick the lineup you think you can beat, and go head-to-head with no pool of opponents. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That is stathero.com slash locked on. Timeout. Okay. You just told everybody about our friends over at stathero.com, and I am devastated that you did not point out the bullcorn that exists when you have to play against thousands of other players simultaneously, including experts who have way more resources and time than you do as an individual trying to win in daily fantasy sports. I would play at Stat Hero to avoid all that. Travesty of all travesties, just like this recent Raiders draft history. Oh, boy. Tell me I'm wrong. (sighs) I like some of what they did this year, for what it's worth. Yeah, look, I, I have, I have. <laughs> this is what I have written down in my notes in the recent <laughs> oh, no. draft halls. Need more to show for picks. They need more to show for this. They've had so many draft picks, man. Unbelievable amounts of draft picks, and the impact players are not flooding this roster. I mean, Colton Miller's turned into good, a good left tackle. Josh Jacobs a good running back, but like Max Crosby was a steal in the fourth round. What else, man? Like, what else does this team have to show for right now? So I'm doing some quick draft dudes do math. I like Henry Ruggs, by the way. I'm very optimistic about him. But he's got a 
He's got to do it. Did I count this right? Since 2016, the Raiders have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 top 100 picks since 2016. And what do we got? And the players they got with top 100 picks are Carl Joseph, Jihad Ward, Shalit Calhoun, Connor Cook. Anything good there? No. Okay. Gary on Conley, Obi Melifonwu, Eddie Vanderdoes. Anything good there? No. I don't Colton think any, none of those players are even on their team. No. Uh, Colton Miller, ding, ding, winner. P.J. Hall, Brandon Parker, Arden Key. Colton good Miller, job, the uh, only one on the roster. Colton Miller, that's it. Yep. Yeah. And that, that was shaky at first, but credit to them. They've developed him very, very well. Cleland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, John Abraham, Trayvon Mullen. <laughs> Josh Jacobs is so important to them, they gave money to Kenyon Drake, and he's expected to have a big role. Stop. I, cannot. I like Josh Jacobs, but... Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Limbo and Jr. already off the team. Brian Edwards, Tanner Muse, top 100 picks. And now, look, I think they're counting on the, the four guys that are left to be yep. starters for them this year, so go do it. Right. And then they obviously had four this year in Leatherwood, Mulrig, Malcolm Coons, Divine Diablo. We'll see. We shall see. But that's the biggest takeaway for me is you talk about dreamy premium draft assets. From 2020 to 2016, you had 16 top 100 picks and you got two good ones out of the top 20 or out of the top 100 in Colton Miller and Josh Jacobs. Now, granted, they hit a home run with Max Crosby at 106. Hunter Renfro at 149 is looking pretty darn good. Foster Moreau is depth tight end at 137. Okay. But there's nothing to show, as you said, with the amount of picks that they have. They desperately are batting below average. Yeah. Okay. So life cycle status. They're about to be a team in transition. Because... Yeah, I mean, there's already reports of friction between the front office and the coaching staff based off of this year's draft class. Okay. So these are our options for life cycles. Team in transition, okay. which Kyle thinks there's a case to be made there. Not yet. Con- not yet. They got to fire so somebody maybe. first. It's, Long-term it's contender, no. no, right? Win now, no. I mean, they might have to be just by default because of the hot seat. You think Shuby? You think they're in win now mode? Well, I, I don't think they've built a team that's in win now mode. But if you're asking me where I think they are, yes, they have to win now, or else they're going to move on at quarterback. They, I don't know what they're going to do at coach, and they restart all over again. You think with with the with the the money they gave to the coach, with what they have invested in the quarterback, that this team isn't trying to win now? You think they're just happy to be here? Okay. Just no, go that's, eight and eight, that's no fair. problem. They they are at that point. Eight, nine. They're where they sh- that's where they should be, Chris. Right? Like eight, eight, I one hundred percent agree with that sentiment. <laughs> as far as my perception of them. Okay, so I, where are they? They're not a young contender. You, you can't put them in rebuilding. Can't put them in rebuilding. Directionless is the other option. Oh. Mm. 
Ding, ding, so ding, you have a have quarterback a that you've been it's non-committal, like you're flirting with other people at quarterback. You have been. It's been weird. Wait, what what do you have? Like this offensive line's been gutted. They have all these young wide receivers. We'll see if they turn out. Defensively, they've been trying to get it right for the last 25 years. They got a new DC there in Gus Bradley. I mean, they 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 have not been able to get this defensive line right. What 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 is right here? And I look, I understand like Raiders fans probably already don't like us. But they I think the proof is like they don't, but the proof is look, in the quitting. Like you're look at the results. To- look at the results and be honest about what this team's been over the last 25 years. <laughs> so I think they do have a direction. I think that they do want to win now. I just don't know that it's all going to add up for them. So I think Shuby's right. I think they are in win now mode, but I think that it's, I don't know that that's going to happen. By the end of this year, we're going to have the clarity and that they're either a team in transition or they're a directionless franchise. Because if they play the season out the way that we expect them to and they don't make any changes, then what are you doing? Right now, you're a directionless franchise. If you, if the season plays out the way that we think they that it will, and they do make changes, now you're a team in transition. The question is, what are the odds that they outperform expectations? But I personally would put this team comfortably last in this division. What's your confidence level in John Gruden to be able to coach a consistent winner? I mean, we've we've saw the the wheels fall off the bus late in the season in each of the last two years for the Raiders. Yeah, and so I don't think they're any better. No, I don't either. I, I I don't I don't enjoy talking down about the Raiders, but like, I think there's fair questions to be asked here. Sure. As for future needs, what? So where where do you start with this? I think their most glaring need, if you want to go ranking needs, is on the interior defensive line. I mean, the interior on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Because your your interior offensive line is Richie Incognito, who's, yes, they signed Nick Martin, but their centers are Andre James, Nick Martin, and Jimmy Morrissey. And then Denzel Good is currently penciled at one of the other starting spots uh, unless somebody beats him out. So you got Colton Miller and, and a first-round pick in Alex Leatherwood at the offensive tackle spots. And in, inside right now is some combination of Incognito, Andre James, Jenzel Good, John Simpson, Nick Martin. Fill in the rest. So you got that going on. Uh, Derek Carr is up after 2022. The only wide receivers signed beyond this year are Ruggs, Renfro, and Edwards. Got to figure out what's going on with Darren Waller's contract. Uh, and I know they have some options at linebacker and corner, but well, that's they something that we got to keep an eye on that because I'm not sure that these options are answers. Right. They invested a lot, not this offseason, but last offseason to bring in Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton at linebacker, and Kwiatkowski outpaced Littleton as far as an addition to the roster, and, and Nicholas Moreau was pretty good in coverage last year. Yep. But, you know, I mean, they came out and they, they drafted – Divine Diablo, presumably to transition and, and try to play Will. 
which is interesting because they took Tanner Muse in the third round. Right. It, it, the, that, long, that was the, that was the top 100 pick. What are we doing? What are we doing with these guys? It's a good question. So <laughs> we'll see. I, I mean, they're one of those teams that just pick good players, right? Just draft good players and hope for some better results because as we went through with their good picks, they have not been getting good players. So that self-scouting and, and kind of assessment of, of what are we trying to accomplish, I think they got to ask themselves some hard questions, and we'll see what this year brings for them. And, and hopefully it's more successful because we don't, we don't want to be right and say, oh, like the Raiders fan base enjoy sitting through 4-13. and 13. Like we don't want to have that mentality, right? And I don't think they'll necessarily be 4-13 and 13 bad, but – I don't expect them to have a winning record. Um, And we firsthand, all three of us, know how miserable it is to have a team that's kind of stuck in the doldrums for a really long time, being Bills, Dolphins, and Jets fans. So we get it. It stinks. It's miserable. And we wouldn't wish it on anybody. I mean, except for maybe New England. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) So um, hopefully we're wrong. And, and the Raiders enjoy a fruitful season and a successful one. But I think you look at where they pace and stack in their respective life cycle versus the rest of the AFC West, and uh, they have more questions. They more have more unproven players. They have less results from a draft perspective. And uh, they got a tough schedule. So all of that adds up, and you got to hope for the best. I think it's kind of to sum it up here with the Raiders, at this point in their rebuild under John Gruden with all the cap space they've had with all the draft picks they've had. You'd like to think they'd be at a little bit better spot and have more to show for all those resources they've had. Absolutely. We hope you have more to show with draft dudes in your life this week. Hit subscribe on the pod, follow along. Thankful for everybody who took some time out of their day uh, to listen in today as we kind of worked our way through the AFC West as far as snapshot and draft history and life cycle Uh, We're working our way through some other divisions the rest of the week. So you're going to want to come back and catch it. Get your full 2021 NFL season primer for all 32 teams by division. Who are we doing tomorrow? A gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. You're going to have to come back and find out. Kyle Krabs, Joe and Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.